was this? Ah, the French. But what great? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. Here we are, recording from a luxury gondola in the Cloud District, high above Smogville. It's World Champion Podcast, Season 3. Episode 2, my name's Brighton. And I am Sean. We are two gentlemen who signed a lucrative contract with the mysterious Senor Burro de Oro. Now we have the pleasure of recording the greatest podcast in the world. We talk about anything and everything we feel like. Forgotten corners of pop culture, remembered corners of pop culture, other mysteries of the world. We talk good, we talk true, we talk fast, and you never know what you're going to get. Yes. That thing gets longer every time. It's good. It's good to, to spell it out, though. We need we need to let everyone know where we stand, above everyone. Above everyone. We are n- now figurative, figuratively and literally where we belong. Above, looking down on people. Yeah, which is how I've always felt that way on the inside. Right. And it's nice to have that legitimized. Yeah, and it's nice to be in such a luxurious gondola. Oh, the cider up here is piping hot. It's beautiful. We got and piping hot autumn cider, pumpkin cider. Yeah, and that's and, and speaking of autumn, we're fi- we're finally getting into to October. The air is getting colder, but I'm getting hotter. I'm getting angry because it looks like uh, our old employer, Mr. Pumpernickel, has taken out every billboard in Smogville promoting that awful podcast. Blue Ribbon Podcast. I hate those guys so much. I we hate were, them. We were in a coma. We woke up. They were living in our Ferris wheel, in our right. rebuilt Ferris wheel. A rebuilt Ferris wheel. A lot nicer, I should say. Yeah. Naughty Nick and Squeaky P. Martini. I don't even know which one is the dummy and which one's the... There's no straight man. Well, here, here I'm going to spell it out to you. They're both dummies. Yeah. So that, Shots that's, fired. I know. That's, that's, I hope they hear that. I know they listen Mic to this. Mic drop. At least, at least I, I hope them being the, the most popular podcast in smogville i hope they listen to us because of that you mean out of spite well i mean maybe just because they've are uh already listened to their own maybe i i I don't know they they definitely are listening oh yeah they're too chicken to come up here because we pulled the ladder up yeah and we're we're way up here too chicken to get their own ladder and figure it out Somehow. I got a question for you before we start talking about the this spooky holiday season we're entering. Yeah. Do you prefer when the gondola is moving while we record and we go up and down the mountain? Or do you prefer it to be stopped like it is today because of, I guess, engine problems? I get a little distracted when it's moving. Yeah. Um, it's the altitude sickness, I think. It's altitude sickness, seeing the, the beautiful little lights that you can barely make out below us mm-hmm. through the smog layer. Oh, do you know what? It probably is weird going down into the smog layer and back out. Yeah. I, I don't like that. It's like, it's like uh, coal rolling, if you know what that is. <laughs> right. It's like someone coal rolled right in our gondola. Yeah, we've got our... It's like beautiful, fresh, cloud city district air, and then suddenly you're sucking on tailpipe. You know when um, you have Christmas lights on the bushes or something and there's a heavy snowfall? Oh, it's beautiful. And you can just see the lights coming up through the snow? That's yes. what it looks like, except the snow's brown. Right, brown snow, mm-hmm. 
And and the, the you know the saying around here, don't breathe brown snow. Don't breathe the brown snow. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, but you know, don't let that don't let my my steaming hot anger ruin ruin the moment because we are getting into Halloween, a spooky season. Right. The only steam we need is coming off the top of that cider barrel. Oh, beautiful! I love the smells. Just take a moment to take in the the smell of the season, the 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 pumpkins and spices, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the eggnog from last year that's oh, the, left over in the fridge, <laughs> right. In the, uh, the the fridge that was unplugged by accident in the garage. Um, I guess we should mention Tom Petty. Oh, yes. That's a real shame. We had an episode uh, recently, maybe last April, where we talked about the Don't Come Around Here No More video mm. and Running Down a Dream. Right. As part of our very popular segment, Mini Music Movies. Right. We'll revisit it. Yeah. And we could probably go on with Mary Jane's Last Dance. Oh, you and you can uh, revisit it. Because we, so is it in the feed then? Uh, it's it. Well, we post it on Facebook, and you can just find it. Yeah, go back and listen to it, or on Facebook, or is it on anything else on Twitter? No, nah, do we have a Twitter still? I don't. Yeah, remember. we do. It's that they keep. Mr. Pumpernickel's changed all the passwords, so it's we got kind locked of been out a, of all our social it's media been a mess. email. Yeah. yeah, so I'm trying to still hack my way in, but go back, listen to that Tom Petty thing. It was. It's sad, and it was a shock to me. Man, I yeah. guess it was a shock to everyone. I shouldn't just. Make this about me. <laughs> right. <laughs> like his daughter, who was so mad at Rolling Stone. What? Did you see that? What happened? Well, so they reported that he had passed away before it actually happened. Uh-huh. So a bunch of news sources um, cited the LAPD as a source, and the LAPD came out and said, we didn't say anything about this. But, I mean, who cares about these details? Well, we so his daughter, t- his daughter took to uh, Rolling Stone's Instagram, I think, because Rolling Stone <laughs> reported it, and... She was very fiery and very violent in her well, I imagine rage she, towards Rolling Stone. I imagine she had... A she probably was going through some stuff. Uh, and maybe had a hope that he would somehow pull through miraculously. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, may, maybe not. Maybe that's... I don't, want, I don't know what she was thinking, but jeez. Yeah. Jeez Louise, man. Yeah. We live in a culture that is just... It's just the internet has screwed up everything. I have a new theory that it's, it's ruined... It's destroyed everything. It's destroyed it's humanity. It's destroyed decency. It's absolutely ruining my emotional well-being oh, and stability. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, years ago, there used to be this uh, local supernatural radio show. Mm-hmm. Not quite uh, as out there as Art Bell. Okay. It was more of uh, it was more kind of like what we do. Okay. And this is in the 90s, and the guy was saying, this guest was saying that WWW um, is actually 666. Because, oh. like, the guy in the Bible that saw 666, it would have been Roman numerals, and they didn't have Ws. So he might have somehow had a vision of WWW and interpreted that to be 666. I believe it. And then there's all sorts of other crazy, crazy I, board stuff. I totally believe it 100%. I don't even have to, to Google this. I already yeah. know it. And I don't want to Google it because that's the devil's engine. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't want to step into the devil's playground and, get, and use the devil's engine. To find out some devil information. Exactly. Devil misinformation. No, I only want to listen to devil music, and that's rock and roll. Right. And Tom Petty was really good at that. Right. And I know. And it's... could it, I, he's, he's just a star that you didn't see dying. Like, that sounds stupid, but I mean, you look at Keith Richards. He's on every drug there is. He looks like the mummy if you took off the bandages. <laughs> right. And, and he's still just looking great, feeling great. Uh, he probably can run a faster mile than me. And and then Tom Petty's just someone you just sort of didn't think like his number's coming up soon, you know? Yeah. I mean, fairly young and not known for his partying ways, although I guess in his recent biography he revealed a, a long-time uh, heroin addiction. 
Well, that I he mean, didn't even start until he was in his fifties. Really? Yeah. Well, to me, heroin. Get ready for this. Not more knowledge from Sean. <laughs> All right. <laughs> to me, Let me get you, a pen. Well, I mean, once you hit fifty, you start taking heroin because you kind of kind of reserve your energy. Because there's this new theory floating around that you only have a certain like a a finite a finite is that spelled? finite finite I'm pronouncing that finite? weird finite 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 you have a finite amount of energy and you got to reserve it. Oh, so that's like, why lazy people live the longest. That's right. The worst thing you can do is go exercise. Yeah. But the healthiest thing you can do is relax. And what's more relaxing than heroin? Uh, nothing. So just based on that, uh, you know, theory, you he should have he should have li- lived a lot longer. You know? Yeah, it should have been a prolonging. I shouldn't make light of this though. <laughs> it's re- I'm very upset. I yeah. love Tom Petty. I'm sure we talked about it in the in that episode we recorded. We yeah. we make light of the video, but it's it's done in love. Yeah, and I think I think you were a much bigger fan than I. Oh, I love and, him. Which is to say, I don't like him uh, quite a bit. But yeah, you were it partic- like, particularly championing his work. It it knocked my my like my hat flew off when I read that he had died. I yeah. couldn't. It just really a punch in the gut for me. Yeah. So man, rest in peace. The one beautiful thing about being an artist is uh, he's still like he's around forever now. Like yeah. His music's around forever. When yeah. we only knew him through his music anyway. So it's like he ne- he's not even left me. You know, I didn't I didn't know Tom Petty. As that much is as weird. as much yeah. as I brag about it. <laughs> well, and it's not like you've even purchased any of his albums in the last twenty years either. Right. So like I'm so sad that he's gone. It's just one of those things where you take everything for granted. Yeah. You just expect <laughs> it so he's gonna be there and it's like, oh no. There won't be any new music from him, even though I haven't listened to his last eight records. Right. But and that's what I feel. It's like, man, wait, what if he wrote another great song? Maybe he did. I, I'm and sure I haven't he heard did. it. I'm sure he did because he was such a solid songwriter. Yeah. I went back on Spotify like every other person on earth the day he died and started yeah. listening to his records. And you and and like you said, apparently he's been releasing albums since the last dance with Mary Jane. Yeah. It's a shock to me. About one every few years. So he's, there's like six or seven records I've never listened to. I didn't yeah. know there was a Soundgarden album from 2011. That kind of blew my mind. Oh, I didn't know that either. There's like there's been like three. Maybe only two. Bob Dylan's still putting out records. Yeah, see, there you go. Hmm. And he look he looks close to death too. He's like he's he seemed like he was almost gonna die in the sixties and no, not sixties, yeah. more like eighties. Traveling Willberries, he's dressed really like he looks like he didn't choose his, his outfits. <laughs> yeah. They're they're a little bit Keith Richards esque, the ones I've seen. Yeah. Where he's got bandanas and things tied around him. And it it just looks like somebody chose the outfits for him, and he just looks real uncomfortable. Like <laughs> he's he's not, he's not pulling them off. Yeah, he just I mean he doesn't care. He just shows up, and they tell him to wear something, and he's like, what whatever, man. Well, he was like the original guy that, that that's too cool that doesn't care, right? Yeah, yeah. He was too. He was like the Beatles were all, all fanboying out when they met him. Yeah, I mean, and he remains an enigma. You're gonna see him here in a couple weeks. Aren't yeah, you? I got tickets to Bob Bill, and I'm I'm pumped. In a uh, in a theater in a Broadway. Yes. Caliber theater. It's going to be a beautiful venue. It's gonna, the day after I see the Bronx. Yeah. So I'm going to see <laughs> Maniac Punk Band and then, and then a, a, just a, a uh, mellow old guy. The, the Bob Dylan Blues Review. Yeah. I'm I'm curious what he's like live because I read a, a Reddit thread a year or so ago that was this, what is the worst live concert you've ever been to? Uh. And Bob Dylan outnumbered. Any other band, like five to one. Well, I saw him. Uh, You've seen him in uh, two thousand 
2009, maybe, 2010. Okay. You sort of have to temper your expectations. Are you going to a Bob Dylan concert because you're expecting a rockin' performance or some sweet singer-songwriter? You're going to see Bob Dylan. That's true. Legend. Who's a legend. That's like, it, so I think complaining about that's kind of like going to the Statue of Liberty and being like, it's all green. Why don't they shine it up? It's true. Although, I'll give a counterpoint here. I've seen Paul McCartney live, and he he ran around like a maniac. Oh yeah, he can he can really. Bring and then it. I've seen the boss, yeah. and the boss put on a three hour show where, like, I don't think I physically could have survived it. Yeah. He, he's a sixty year old man. Yeah. So I guess just expecting Bob Dylan to be awake is setting the bar kind of low. I will say that about it was about halfway through each song that I realized what song he was playing. <laughs> <laughs> like he opened, and it's like, wow, cool, there he is, Bob Dylan. He's he's pretty close to me. And then I went, Oh, this is my favorite song. <laughs> um he's when I saw him at least, and you know, he's he's a man of reinvention. He was playing with a really big uh sort of bar blues style band. Okay. So all his songs, they all sounded very cohesive, mm-hmm. but not in a way I particularly um loved. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. But that's cool. That I love artists like that. Yeah. So he was reinventing them. You know, it, it, his and guitarist I, is some famous kid. Johnny Lang, I want to say, but that might not be right. Oh, really? He's some gu- blues guitarist that's known for his... Bob Dylan's kid? No, just the, the kid in the band. Oh, I call yeah. him the kid. Oh, yeah. And, the, and he's like 45, the kid? Yeah, he's probably... That's this like 45-year-old kid. <laughs> but uh, he, he, the guitarist is a guy who's a known musician. Johnny in Lang right. sounds familiar. And I think he got famous when he was a little kid. Not a little I kid. I think that's like, why I'm thinking of he's it. He's like a teenager, when he, and he just rips, rips on guitar, apparently. Yeah. In, I, in a uh, way that I probably wouldn't like, like you said, but, but is good uh, uh, in an objective way. Yeah, and I know if, uh, if my friend Christopher's listening, he's going to disagree with me, because he was also at that show, and is a huge and Bob l- Dylan fan, and, and he thought it was a great show. Okay. So... Well, that's um, the great thing about it. And art, I was happy right? to see him. I, I certainly don't regret seeing him. So, right. well. yeah. So, I want to talk about something. It is uh, the Halloween season. One of my favorite Halloween traditions, which um, I only did twice. That's enough. And haven't done in years. There is about two, three hours from Salt Lake City is this little town called Hiawatha. Okay. And it was a mining town, which uh, the mine closed in 1991. And, you know, like you do in the middle of the desert, you just leave. You just leave all the shit there, put up a fence and a no trespassing sign. It is currently owned by the Kingston clan. They own 16,000 acres out there. The Kingston clan is a noted uh, polygamist group. I was going to say, sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. They used to, on Halloween time, they'd run a little spook alley to make money. Wow, So you'd, you'd go there in the darkness in coal country... Drive into the desert. It's already scary out on there. On this dirt road. It's already scary. If you're a city kid like, like yeah. us, too, yeah. it's already scary just leaving the electricity yeah. behind. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you get up there. It's like a 10-mile dirt road, and you get to this town where there's all these mine buildings that are 100 years old mm-hmm. that no one's bothered to lock the doors or fix them or tear them down. Or even put a warning sign up, huh? Yeah, no, not at all. And then You're just breathing in hantavirus and... Yeah, just enjoying uh, the probably mercury. I don't know <laughs> cyanide. I know what's in those what's in those creepy mines. There's all kinds of stuff that. Yeah, I guess everything. I guess that's the point of mining is you're getting this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> mountains are filled with nasty shit though. So some of the buildings they would like the kids like these tiny little kids are spooking you. 
Mm-hmm. You pay like 15 bucks. Everything's run by generators. And you're going through these warehouses where the, you're literally like stepping over rusty mining equipment while some five-year-old in a saw mask and, and this comes up and goes like, ah! And this and this five year old is like a gummo type kid, right? Yeah, I mean it's uh, these aren't just normal kids. I my my understanding allegedly is that they're all polygamists that live up there, right? And you know, and they're living in a mining town in the middle of the desert with no electricity. They're mm-hmm. very nice when I'm there. I I can't quite find confirmation that they're polygamists, other than that it's known that the Kingston clan mm-hmm. owns that land. Um, they stopped doing it because there was a murder where one of this woman's 15 children killed the mother. What? Yeah, that was uh, about two years ago. 15 That's... kids for one woman. Oh, wait, and one of the kids killed her, his own killed, mother? Yeah. And these are the people that ran the haunted house? Yeah. So so there was, besides the, the dangerous mind, there was real danger. Yeah, there was There was a danger. homicidal person. Do you know, this is the one thing. Yeah, I probably came across that kid. He might have sold me a cookie. It's the thing that's scary with, with so many crazy people out there is, I mean, you, you're trusting that you're in a place that no one's going to stab you, but what better place for a murderer to work than a haunted house? You I could, think... You could almost get away with it if you just somehow snuck in one of the, the back doors or the exits. Because, I mean, who's in charge of this? The manager's a teenager. Everyone's yeah. a teenager. As a man, you could put on some weird mask, sneak in a side door, stab someone... And no one would figure it out for a while. I think when I was a kid, uh, one of the Draculas actually bit somebody. Uh-huh. They actually bit them hard and drew blood on their neck. <laughs> yeah, that sounds against the rules. Yeah. Well, and then you've got these teenagers operating electricity and... Yeah, I mean... Pyro effects and all that shit. I, I don't do... Like, when we go to the fair, I, I don't... Or the Smogville fair especially. Yeah. I don't do the, like, the riots. Because you've oh, got yeah. some spinning metal thing run on like a lawnmower engine and the person in charge of your life is a 14 year old that's stoned out of his mind and texting yeah and the guy that built it lives in a sleeping bag yeah behind 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 the goats and he's paid in alcohol yeah so i mean like i I, anytime someone's like let's go on the spinner let's go on this i'm just like no yeah no that is not uh, that's dangerous and they're not that fun. We went on. I mean, well, I mean, that was our Ferris. We we saw what happened with our Ferris wheel. Right. We got out of there with our lives barely in comas. Yeah. It fell on <laughs> us for the love of God. <laughs> so the nice thing is, after you're done with the spook alley, which didn't take very long, you could you just had free reign of this ghost town. Oh, so that I was cool. like creeping around through mansions, stepping on broken glass and rusty barbed wire. That's so much scarier to go in like an abandoned house. Yeah. We went into this one room this big building, and you couldn't see anything. So I took a picture to illuminate things with oh, my flash. Oh, so it's like in the movies. Just like in the movies, and it's a bunch of rusty hooks dangling from the ceiling. <laughs> it turns out it was the shower room. So the, the basket, just go in there. Like, imagine, like, a, like a church basketball court okay. where just everyone goes in there, and they just, I guess, they just hose them down. So the basket is to put your shower stuff in, like your soap and your razor. What's the hooks? The basket's on the hooks? Yeah, the basket's on the hooks. Oh, okay. And then you go put your razor and your soap in the basket, and then I don't know where the water comes from. This but is... it seems like it's just 100 guys in one room all, all up Man, in Joe's business. that's how showering was. Like, you want to talk about horror stories. It's like yeah. in, in, in the 1950s, you were expected to shower in huge herds. Yeah. As, as like, a grown man. Just get hosed down. That's, that um, sounds unpleasant. I'll, I'll post some pictures on our Facebook later of this, I guess, because they're pretty cool. 
Okay. But so anyway, that got me thinking about mines and mining, and uh, that's going to lead into perhaps our most famous and celebrated segment, Mysteries of the Mysterious. So I got a lot. I got a lot going on here. I kind of crazy boarded this okay, when I was looking up mine related mysteries. We got to make the connection, so it's even better. Yeah. Well, let's start with Tommy Knockers. Okay. Which uh, is a Stephen King book that you're I'm currently reading, reading? Yeah, I'm reading right now. And maybe when when should we announce our Stephen King month? Right now? No. Yes. Okay. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. October is Stephen King month here at World Champion Podcast. That's right. If you want to follow along. Yeah, we'll talk more about it at the end. So I was curious what those are, because I remember as a kid, um, maybe around Halloween, about mining legends and stuff like that, and talked about Tommyknockers. So I was reading about them. They're, uh, they're from, like, England, Wales, Ireland, Scotland. They're about two feet tall and grizzled. Um, okay. They're not misshapen, so they're not little monsters. They're just two feet tall and grizzled, and they live beneath the ground and wear tiny versions of standard miner's garb. What, so they're like the seven dwarfs? Yeah, I guess they are. I guess they're exactly that. And they commit mischief. Um, so the name comes from the knocking on the mine walls that happens just before cave-in. So I'm, I'm reading this uh, verbatim from Wikipedia, by the way, in case anyone's wondering. Mm-hmm. I just don't want anyone to think I'm trying to plagiarize. No. Um, so Secretly the- plagiarize. We openly <laughs> plagiarize. Right. Yeah, exactly. We openly plagiarize. There's no secrets around here. So before a cave-in... There's a knocking sound when the timbers start to give way. Oh, that's so creepy. So, really? Yeah. So, like the wood itself? What is it? The wood itself, because it's buckling and so popping. It's like, oh, so yeah, it's like knock, knock. Oh. Yeah. So they would think these little dwarfs are, are knocking and then okay. causing the cave ins. So they're very similar to the World War II gremlins. Yeah, totally. The, uh, but some miners actually saw them as uh, that the knocking was their way of warning them. Ah. That the Tommyknockers were good. So the Cornish people, which come from Cornwall, okay, they were really into Tommyknockers. They thought they were the helpful spirits of people who had died in previous accidents. That's nice. That's a, I like that, that the glass half full version. Yeah. And then to give thanks, it was tradition to throw the last bite of your tasty pasty into the mine <laughs> for the knockers to enjoy. You've been to England. What is a pasty or pasty or whatever? I'm assuming it's a pastry of some kind just because it's got most of the letters of pastry. Yeah. But it's probably made out of a tasty pasty. It's probably like sheep guts ma- mashed together with, with in flour. A, in a donut. Yeah. Something fucking disgusting. Yeah. I'm sure that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's tasty, pasty, it's or cheap guts. I'm gonna call it. I'm, in my head, I'm imagining some nice little donut or something, like fry bread. It's definitely a little pie. It looks like I'm just googling. <laughs> Everything it. in England is a pie. It was it was just the yeah. Sweeney Todd days. Just weird, gross meat in a pie. It's, it looks like a pie filled with onions and cheese and weird meat, <laughs> from what I could tell. Or it's something that you put over your bosoms. Hmm. Ooh, a tasty pasty. Hey. So, so when, they, the, when the Welsh miners came to the U.S. in the 1800s, they would bring with them the, the Tommyknockers mythology. And they would uh, they'd maybe warn you, but they'd also steal your unwatched items. Um, something that's really interesting is the Cornish miners were so good at mining mm-hmm. that the mine owners would ask, do you have any other relatives that want to come <laughs> mine? 
for us. It's in, in, it their, runs DNA, in the family. man. Yeah. It's in their blood. Uh, the typical response would be something along the lines of, well, me cousin Jack over in Cornwall was to come. Could you pay his boat ride? So the Cornish people are known as Cousin Jacks. Oh. The entire peoples are called Cousin Jacks. I, l- I love little tidbits like that, even though that that's not like a racist thing, though, right? I don't know. I don't really know <laughs> what the Cornish people are. They have game hens. I don't know. I, I can't stop thinking about the seven dwarfs, so I'm, I'm getting distracted. I'm picturing like Happy and Dopey knocking on the, the boards. That sounds exactly what they're like. And they're crushed. They're so grizzled. And are any of them thieves? Maybe is gr- grumpy. What's the, what are the what are the seven dwarves? Doc, happy, sleepy, dopey, grouchy, gr- grumpy, gr- grumpy, sneezy, sneezy. Who are we forgetting? I can never do all seven. Happy, do- someone's screaming right, right happy, now. Happy, bashful. Oh, bashful. I was about to say drunky, drunky, because it seems surprising there's not a drunk one, since they are miners. Well, Sneezy had a red nose, so maybe Sneezy oh, was just a euphemism. It's like a wink there. Yeah. It's Sneezy. Yeah, so Sneezy. Same with Sleepy. Hide your gin. Sleepy is blackouty yeah. in, in, other, in other cultures. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Alcoholy. The, uh, Can you imagine a mine? Like, what would set, like, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs be like if there was a mine cave-in during it? And th- or that's how it ended. All the miners crushed. It'd be uh, horrifying. That's a kind of Halloween ending for, for Snow White. Because doesn't it end with them that's all like happy? The sub- that's the subversive Adult Swim version. Right. Or like uh, that Robot Chicken show. Yeah. Uh, We're better than that. The, the miners who worked deep in the earth really believed in the Tommyknockers and uh, refused to enter new mines until assured by the management that the knockers were already on duty. So what do you think the superstition level? If you could, like... Back then, 100% of people believe in goblins and, and, all, and witches. Yeah. Like, at what, what point did we start kind of n- not believing? Like, what level of people do you think believe in Tommyknockers now in the world? It's probably still pretty high, surprisingly high, if you're a miner in some weird country. And how many people don't believe in them but still toss their, <laughs> their, their tasty, tasty pasties? God, I might even do that. It can't hurt. Well, uh, belief remained well into the 20th century when one large mine closed in 1956 and the owners sealed the entrance. Fourth, fifth, and sixth generation Cousin Jacks circulated a petition calling on the mine owners to set the knockers free so they could move on to other mines. The owners (laughs) complied. That's a perfect point to to throw in a boob joke. Let the knockers free. Yeah. In bad taste. Let the the knockers free and, and... don't require pasties. Yeah, get rid of the tasty pasties. Get rid of the tasty pasties. That's pretty great. I, that's the kind of protest I want, is people protesting like, let go of the leprechauns and stuff like that. So did you Like ha- that leprechaun in Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> With the artist rendition? Right. <laughs> G- give me the gold. Yeah. I want the gold. Uh, see that leprechaun? I love that. Yeah. The community came together. Everybody wanted to see the leprechaun. So did they actually... When they close a mine, what do they do? Fill the, the door with cement or something? Well, in Utah, famously, when they close a mine, they just leave. So there's always <laughs> these warnings yeah. saying, you know, when you're out four-wheeling. I mean, that just happened uh, this year. A guy was four-wheeling and just drove into a mine. Really? Yeah, and he was down there all afternoon. Did, how bad was he hurt? I think he was okay. He fell about 10 feet, but he was trapped. So if they hadn't found him, Good Lord. that would have been really bad. Yeah. But they warn you there's 
I, there's statistics on it that say there's you know 72,000 documented mine shafts and countless other undocumented mine shafts, and three percent of them have been sealed. So, so by sealed, it just meant he had ta- he unscrewed the light bulb from the entrance and left. Yeah, and that's it. So they just demanded another light bulb. And then if you're lucky, you go in there and you find old Levi's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Pull them off the skeletons. Yeah. Make a lot of money. A lot of money. Uh, so speaking of being trapped in the mine then, Tommyknockers, I don't know if they were involved in this one. And of course, mine cla- these are tragedies. I'm not making light of it, but I probably will mm-hmm. make light of it in my own way. So it's, it's, it's just how... You got to laugh or, you're, or you'll cry. That's, that's how my, my mind works pretty much 100% of the time. So I hadn't heard of this until today when I was looking for mine disasters using the Devil's Engine. Right. The Shepton Mine Disaster of 1963. This was in Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, basically, it's it's three coal miners down there, David Phelan and Henry Hank Throne. Uh, Phelan was 58 years old. Throne was 28. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different accounts of it that are all very interesting. But basically, they were down there with this other guy, Lewis. And they heard the rumbling, and they heard the knocking. Right. Um, so what do you do when you're in a mine, and you think it's going to come down on top of you? Push the other miners down well, and run, or what? Well, maybe. Well, I guess nothing's chasing you. That, that's maybe. What, that's my default when there's trouble. <laughs> Just push my girlfriend in the way and run, or like trip her, you know, hope she breaks her ankle. So that the bear gets her instead. Right. That's like... That's like the the buddy system. Yeah. Who's the stand-up comedian? W- w- always uses the buddy system when sim- swimming because if the shark comes, you give him your buddy. It's like some, cr- yeah. I don't know. Well, that that thing, you don't have to run faster than the bear. You just have to run faster than the other guy. Right. I'm not even going to try. I can't run. If the werewolf's after me, I'm just going to accept the fact that I get eaten by a werewolf. The reason I will get eaten by the werewolf is not because I can't outrun someone. It's because I will be the last to realize what's happening. <laughs> I will be the most. I'm the most confused. Where are you guys going? And I'll just be like, "What? Is- Do you guys hear something?" And it'll be literally be like my arm being pulled off. Yeah. While everyone else is just hightailing it out of there. Yeah. Is it a full moon? It'll come Look up. Look at right- that. It'll come up right behind me. Like, yeah. why are you guys running? What? Which what one of you was howling? While your while your girlfriend's doing yeah. that thing where she's like pointing over your shoulder and going, "Whoa, whoa, yeah." She's doing the Abbott and Costello like. Yeah. Exactly. What's gotten into you? Maybe that's a Three Stooges thing, too. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be just like that. (laughs) She'll be like doing that on her lips and stuff, trying to warn me. The standard warnings. So, (laughs) the standard warning. (laughs) Maybe having a slide whistle. Bad, big bad, big, 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 bad, bad, bad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, just all the ways you've warned people. <laughs> Standard warning. It's like the universal ways of warning. Yeah, or you just start knocking on a mine timber. Mm-hmm. So these guys are down there. They're 300 feet underground. There's a collapse. They spy a small chamber off to the side. It's two feet by about nine feet. So it's already two collapsed. Two feet wide. Uh, they're in like a main room. They're, they're hearing the rumbling. They're seeing the stuff start to come down. So they run into this little room. The third guy, Lewis, sees a bigger room. And Kay. he's like, I'm going for that one. And then immediately gets smashed. Smashed. Yeah. Or, did, make... or did he? Oh, me gets cut off. So. The others. So these guys are trapped in there. There's rescue efforts going on that are real, a real long shot. They're under solid rock. 
So what is a 1963 mine like? Is it because uh, I'm picturing almost like a video game level? So they have a ele- elevator. That's constantly going up is like Donkey Kong. I think there's just a ramp. The way it was described was a ramp. So I think maybe you just kind of wind your way down. I, oh, so I you're don't just know. going because I'm because if it collapses, I'm wondering is there like are you gonna have to go up some levels where the collapse is or I don't know. I'm just trying. I just don't know anything about mines. It says there was only one entrance or exit known as the slope. Okay. It's the Onita Number Two Mine, which is in Shepton near Shenandoah in Pennsylvania. So the, the, the veteran miner knows that, you know, there's probably no way they're going to find us. We're in this tiny chamber. They don't know where to even look. Now, miraculously, they were, they were going to drill a borehole to see, like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe we can get to where they are. They had marked off a spot that they thought they might be at. Okay. That the drill breaks down far away from that Naturally. spot. So they say, well, just drill here. And they drill right into where they are. Really? Yeah. So that's amazing. That's pretty awesome. That was six days later. They're down there alone for six days. So what kills you in a mine collapse besides if you're not smashed initially? Is it oxygen? Lack of oxygen. There's like toxic gases. So so it's a breathing issue. You're going to starve to death. There, There's a guy that got... God, getting trapped is so terrifying. There was a guy that, that, that was in a sunken ship. Did you hear about this a year or two ago? Where yeah. the, sick, the, the ship sank... And he was up to his neck in like the he was like a cook. oh yeah and he was underwater like 150 feet underwater for like three days yeah until some scuba divers found him uh, and you just think I just can't imagine what you're going through mentally yeah I mean if we want to keep track of our greatest fears obviously God it's this is a pretty standard fear I think and I th- oh yeah that BG song have you heard that BG song staying alive yeah that's what you want exactly <laughs> if you're doing CPR keep that rhythm in mind. That's true. No, uh, New York Mining Disaster, 1941, or whatever it's called. That's a BG that? song? Uh-uh. Yeah, and it's from their folk period. So oh, I think yeah. it's just them singing. There might be a drum that comes in at the end. Uh, and it's about a bunch of people trapped in a mine. Really? It's heartbreaking. It's maybe the most heartbreaking song I've ever heard. BGs are an interesting band just because yeah. everyone thinks of them as like the disco band. But they were like... Like you said, they went through like a boy, a boy band kind of yeah. thing at first. And they were troubadours. yeah. Anyway, so the, so the drill comes down. They were down there six days. Six days before the drill comes down, and they drop a light and a microphone and just start shouting, or is there anybody down there? Can anybody sing? Now, the way they describe how they stayed alive is that they, there was like a hole that had some putrid water in it, and they had an oil can. Mm-hmm. And they'd lower that in, and it was so nasty that they were like spitting it out at first and then realized... Well, we have to drink this putrid oil water. God. Um, and then this guy, this young guy, they're talking about being hungry, and he says, okay, we'll just sip the water, and then he, he rubs the other guy's Adam's apple, uh-huh. and he claims that he had just seen that a few days before in a film strip about Gandhi and how Gandhi survived his hunger strike, that if you do that maneuver, it like suppresses your hunger pains. Really? Yeah. Rubbing your Adam's apple while you while swallow? sipping water, yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not gonna try it, but that's I mean, really six interesting. Six days. I can't even imagine yeah. going six hours without a meal. Oh, and it's freezing down there too. That's another oh, thing. Oh, it's cold. Gonna freeze to death. So they had to huddle. Again, the young guy. He was in the the navy or something, so he knew how to he stay had more warm. More skills. Yeah. Um. 
so it's 14 days later that they're finally pulled out. And what happens is Howard Hughes... Were they able to like somehow get food down there? Couldn't they put a two, real long tube and pour some soup down I think it? at that point, I think when they got that first hole, because they were trying to eat bark uh-huh. from the wood that was holding up the ceiling, and they, <laughs> then they realized, well, we, we can't do that. <laughs> Man. Yeah. That's bad. That's, you're, in a, you're in a pinch if you're chewing on the supports to the ceiling that aren't even oh. edible. Look for the light. Uh, look can for the you light. eat your if you have, can you eat your own boots? That, that, I've heard if you have leather shoes, you can eat them. Well, Charlie Chaplin does it in the Gold Rush. Right. And that's about mining. I know. I guess they didn't have a knife and a, and a fork though. Yeah, so it would have been true. hard. And a, the mountain man that came to my elementary school said he could eat your jacket. That's. I think the same mountain man came to mind because he's talking about he those dangly to. things hanging off his leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah, and he said that people that the reason they're there is for that purpose. Even. Yeah. So, so you're trapped you, in the snow hunting a bear. So if you can eat your weird mountain man jacket, you can probably eat your shoes, right? Yeah, I guess. Or your belt. But what? There's no nutrients in it. It would all it would do is maybe stave off the pain. Well, I mean, leather's but made. But like, can you digest leather? Well, it's I, made out of a cow. Is it made out of beef? So I mean, it's got to be have maybe not a lot of nutritional. Maybe God, I don't know. It seems like it would, right? Protein? Yeah, it seems like it'd have some kind of protein. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to we'll have to look into that and report back. Because I'd rather eat leather than than wood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> Absolutely. I know you can eat tree bark, but that's kind of soft and moist. Certain tree bark, but you can't eat a timber. Yeah. You can cut your gums, man. I I actually don't know if they they must have gotten food down there. If they had a hole, they must have been able to drop some McNuggets down there. If we can put a man on the moon, I think we can get soup down a hole. Right. This <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like we can do some pretty amazing things when we put our minds to yeah, it. Yeah, and this is 1963. It's not the oh, dark ages. So had we, as before, we'd walked on the moon. But still, not that <laughs> long before. It was only six years. So if we we were working on it. We were working on going to the moon. So someone is crunching the numbers. Let's get something to these guys. So once the world Make found out. Make a really out, long piece of pasta, like spaghetti, and they just keep putting it down there. Open your mouth. How why would it have to be really long? Why couldn't they just drop regular spaghetti <laughs> and have them catch it? One noodle. It's only wide enough for one noodle. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So they got to like, can we, how long a spaghetti can we make? So they tried, yeah, they tried just doing each noodle at a time, and then the guy was like, my hand's tired. Yeah. I was like, this is taking forever. I don't like crouching. Or maybe it gets cold faster when it's little noodles. <laughs> yes, you need the big noodle. So then you can keep the other end in hot water so the whole thing stays hot. Well, even more than that, have you ever seen, uh, what's that one where John Cusack's an assassin? Gross Point Gross Blank. Gross Point Blank. Remember how he puts the, the wire at the beginning and then he puts poison on the wire so it'll drip into the mouth? Oh, so yeah. So you've got the noodle going down and then you put the pasta sauce and the you sauce, put the marinara sauce marinara sauce down. goes down the noodle keeping it hot yeah and, and so you, you got keep, spaghetti you for dinner end. yeah man. so you just have a big pot so mm-hmm. howard hughes donated a giant pot and the world's longest noodle yeah that, as only howard hughes could, could as only he pull can off you know? exactly no so it became a huge news story reporters came from all over the world to to stand around and report right. on nothing well, I mean, like back then, do. reporters, they've got a little notebook with a pencil. Yeah. And they're licking the pencil and going, hey, what do you have to say in that transatlantic accent? Yeah, exactly. So, so the technique that they developed for this is still used today, where basically you just keep drilling larger and larger holes, and then eventually a real big one. 
thanks to this fancy drill that's that how they Howard get them out yeah doesn't the rocks fall in to where the people are though? well i think that's why they do it it doesn't really go into detail on how it works but i think that's why they do it this way instead of just drilling a big old hole right up front oh. that would be too dangerous but and they got them they got these three guys well they got the two guys the other guy vanished <laughs> so 14 days they were down there vanished uh, so like a skeleton like they ate him so that's the rumor god it's it's not really founded in anything other than just scuttlebutt just people like us but in the 60s talking about this right but the urban legend that surrounds this is that that the guy lewis didn't actually die but that they ate him and he was the one with the bright ideas right he was the one that knew about rubbing the adam's apple no this guy right when the collapse happened he ran off Oh. He was trying to get to a bigger room while they were all in the small room. So, so they said so he got maybe crushed the, so right So maybe down. there wasn't a bigger room is what you're saying? Well, maybe he didn't really run off. Maybe he was in the chamber with them and they ate him. That's what I mean. Yeah, because I guess just no one's buying that Adam's Apple Gandhi story. But what happened? Did they never try to drill back into the mines? Because, I mean, wouldn't Well, it was be... all just a big pile of dust. Okay, because there would be a part of you that would be like, oh, shit, they might find that skeleton. <laughs> God, could you do that? If you're in the situation, like one of my favorite movies when I was in high school, I watched it just, I don't know if it was on cable all the time was, I think it was just on cable a lot, was Alive, about those soccer oh, players yeah. with Ethan Hawke and they crash the plane and they have to start eating each other. And I mean, that almost seems more doable because all the bodies are frozen. So you're eating almost like ice beef jerky. Yeah. But if you're eating someone in a mine, it's literally like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, do you think they killed him together? That's. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. There's not. Well, we'll never know. But the only basis of that rumor is just that someone made it up and started saying it. It's good enough for they me. Didn't, man. They didn't. They weren't like licking their chops when they found him. <laughs> saying, "Oh, that's how'd you survive down there? We ate Lewis. I mean, it's Adam's apple trick. <laughs> they both had big swollen bellies and like like a handkerchief on." Licking their fingers. Well, that sh- uh, that movie we both recently saw, Wind River, uh-huh. like one of the themes of it was just don't under- underestimate someone's will to survive. Right. And kind of the horrible things they'll put themselves through. So on that token, like maybe that Adam's apple trick worked. Don't uh, underestimate their will to survive. On the other token, maybe they wanted to eat Lewis. I don't know if I could eat someone. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, you know. Which I guess is a good sign. You just don't know until you're in that situation. I'm not that desensitized yeah. yet that I'm like, I would immediately yeah. eat. So in, in, anyway, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to say course, that they did that. Of That's course. ridiculous. Yeah, but it's course. part of the story, so I want right. to talk about that. But um, they definitely drank the blood. The big part of the story, um, are, do you know St. John the 23rd? The, no, I don't know. Is that he maybe. was a pope. Um, he was a pope in the 60s. Okay. He was recently canonized. Shot and, out of a um, cannon? Yeah. Like Evil Knievel? That's what they do with popes. That's pretty cool. I guess they get kind of a little bit closer to heaven when you hit the high point, <laughs> the apex of the cannon blast. It's like a, that sounds like a clickle article. <laughs> canonized. Yeah. Pope John Cannon, or which, what did he say, John? Uh, yeah, this is John the 23rd. He was the pope. Canonized. Um, He's wearing like a red, white, and blue cape. He had, like, sparkly kind of, like, Elvis outfit. Evil Knievel. What the hell, man? <laughs> what was up with that? He was my favorite pope. <laughs> yeah. By far. Pope Knievel. Yeah. Pope Evil. 
that's like uh, idiocracy is for evil can evils the pope <laughs> it's like we got a problem with your name we're going we're going to have to go with Knievel cuz pope evil is just not working it really isn't working it's uh, a little it's a little ridiculous it's hacky <laughs> so the the catholic doctrine holds that you have to have two miracles to uh, for sainthood that you perform yourself or that happens while you're pope that that you perform yourself so he uh he was blessed after a miracle of curing uh, an ailing Italian nun was discovered. When a second miracle could not be identified, Pope Francis waived the requirement, citing John's many good works. So Pope Francis was like, one miracle's good enough. He's a saint. But... It seems like it's fudging it a bit. Well, there is a second miracle. Okay. So I'm not sure if God's going to buy that when you get up there to heaven after the canon. Those two miners were not down there alone. The Pope was with them the entire time. <laughs> what? What do you mean? Like physically, he was a minor before well, he, he had, was a pilot. He had died shortly before this happened. Okay, but the miners didn't know, right? They they knew, and they both insisted that he was there with them the entire time. Wow. Yeah. That would be weird. And that, that that's how they got through it was because of Pope John the Twenty Third. What do you think he was doing? Like just pep talks or like rubbing their shoulders? I think that shoulders? was it. I think it, they, there's a firsthand account of it. I. I Close the tab. Uh-huh. But there was a first-hand account of the younger guy, Thorne. And basically, yeah, he was just pep-talking him. God, and he showed them. They, they, he said he saw, like, marble steps and a door open up. He said it looked like just a regular old house door. Oh, here's his, here's his exact words. We saw a door covered in bright blue light. It was very clear, better than sunlight. Two ordinary-looking men, not miners, opened the door. We could see beautiful marble steps on the other side, and then they were visited by Pope John the Twenty Third. He died ten weeks prior. He came out of this this magic door. Mm-hmm. Who are the other two people? I guess they're just they're just very vi- heaven, just, just heaven angels guys. or something. Maybe they were Tommy knockers that got, <laughs> that got big. <laughs> Hi ho! They just heard that. Hi ho! Did you hear something? And then, yeah, maybe that's what the knocking is. The tiny little door opens, a glowing door. Yeah. The Pope has to bend, hunch over, like in uh, uh, Being John Malkovic, the like half-sized oh, yeah. floor. He's hunched oh, so over. They, so it was a perspective thing. It was like, Lord, it was like, it was like Peter Lord, Jackson yeah. trick. Yep, they thought exactly. they were two ordinary men, but didn't realize it was a very small door. It's a very small door. Forced perspective. It's dark yeah. in there. Remember, yeah. they're in a mine, weird angles. Yeah, it's... So I guess I'm picturing whenever I hear about a some like a ghost being with someone, I, Star Wars has just ruined everything for me because I yeah. literally picture the Pope being like Obi Wan Kenobi after he dies, like glowing and blue, and right. he's and he's there. His voice is a little bit kind of echoey, but he's literally there. I mean, I would think if maybe he had a deck of cards, that would have been like the most helpful thing. Some, like uh, something to pass the time, like, like a book. He pass got a the book. pigs or something. Yeah, yeah, like Hungry Hungry Hippos before it was invented. And obviously everyone dismissed them because you're down there without food, water, and oxygen for 14 days. Mind you're going to hallucinate. Yeah, your mind's going to start playing yeah. tricks on you, maybe. But, or I maybe mean, not, man. I guess that's good enough for Pope Francis. If it's good enough for them, I mean, uh, you know, if I was trapped in a mine for 14 days, I'd be thrilled if, I, if the Pope was there. And it's, if anyone and, was there. And they immediately, when they got out, said, like, both guys agreed. Like, this uh-huh. is what got us through. Yeah, and they said it wasn't a hallucination because they both saw it, hmm. like, at the same time. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of supernatural stuff, I think, Do you know what would be even from, weirder? 
were the both guys Catholic? It'd be better if they weren't. And it they was, were uh, they were Polish Jews. No, they were both. <laughs> they were, I was like, what? Yeah, no, they were both uh, deeply devout Catholics. Okay. So it's interesting. I think a lot of supernatural stuff that we talk about and ghosts and, and things, like I, I think it, there's a lot of unexplored recesses of the subconscious that are very interesting. And right. I don't want to sound like college dorm room acoustic guitar guy, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I don't, I personally don't think an actual ghostly Pope visited them, mm-hmm. but something in their brains manifested this feeling for them. And if that kept them alive, then well, just look about how, how about that? How it's amazing. The human brain, we know, even the like neurologists don't know shit about the human brain. Yeah. No, we don't even know it at all. People go insane in super specific, weird ways. Yeah. And even the path to insanity is like every path is it's, it's a unique path to insanity. It's not yeah. like everyone has the same kind of like lose like there's maybe symptoms that start popping up that are similar, but everybody's path to madness is unique. Right, and like schizophrenia is actually a completely vague term, mm-hmm. or right. psychosis or something that means uh, who knows what it means, and no one understands what causes it. Right, they don't know anything. They about don't. It. We, no one even knows what dreams are. I mean, a hundred years ago, when someone was sick, they were like throwing snakes on them and leeches. Like yeah. this is what we know. We barely yeah. know how to keep people alive, and that's uh, most of it. Sound, like most of these breakthroughs are dumb luck. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, like penicillin and stuff. I'm sure that was an accident. Yeah, penicillin or silly putty. <laughs> but I mean, both famous accidents. But but the mind will do strange things when pr- like when you're pushed to these limits. You yeah. know, no food or no water or like. You know, I don't know. If you, what did I read? But it's such an interesting, like, survival technique just from a biological standpoint. Like, why are humans built with this ability mm-hmm. that within their brain, they will produce this feeling that will help keep them alive when all the nutrients are gone? Dude. That's, that's weird. Or, I mean, you know, if, if, if anyone out there believes that it was actually... Then, Fine, but well, I mean, well, let's pretend it wasn't the Pope. I'm sure it was, but let's—we're just being devil's advocate over here. Google's advocate. <laughs> you want to? I'll tell you something that weirds me the hell out is—is is shock. The idea of going into shock, mm-hmm. where your brain, a party, one part of your brain decides your other part of your brain can't handle the reality right now. Yeah. So it's gonna shut it off. So you're not yeah. gonna—you're not gonna un- like your brain will not. Your arm's gone. You've been in a car accident. Your brain is not going to let you know your arm's gone. Your brain's yeah. not going to let your brain know. You know yeah. what I mean? It is a, shock is the strangest thing to me. And, but it's sort of kick-ass. Yeah. Because, I mean, worst-case scenario, you, you're not going to know what's going on, likely. And how the hell does your brain know to do that? No, it's, no one taught you that? Well, it's just like a car alarm, you know? A car yeah. alarm when it's bumped or where there's certain things that happen, it sets it off. It's but that's just thing. crazy that that's just built in. I know. Because no one – you don't sit down and read – like part of your brain when you're asleep, it's out in the kitchen reading about how to shut off your pain receptors when your arm gets chopped well, off. But it just does it. And it's also weird because your brain knows how to do it without previous experience in it. Yeah. So it's not like it's like when you're in a situation where shock is kicking in, you're you've never been in that situation before. You've never been that close to death and your brain's yeah. like it's like in case of emergency break glass. Yeah. That's literally what it is. Yeah. Your brain's like it's that it's like that inside out cartoon. But a much more horrifying, like Inside Out two, yeah, about someone dying and going into shock and stuff. I'd like to see those parts of your brain, <laughs> which is like yeah, that's in the Adult Swim version where yeah. the seven dwarfs get crushed to death. 
Well, you want you want to keep talking about religious dreams and mines? Sure. Not far from where we live. Again, the dream mine, or where we used to live in Salt Lake City. Right. Dream mine is maybe, I don't know, 50 miles south of Salt Lake City. Okay. Are you familiar with this? No, it sounds like, like a Barbie accessory, the Barbie dream the mine. The Barbie dream mine? Yeah. So it sounds yeah, like I'm, that picture, was... I'm picturing a pink mine with a hair salon in it. Well, it sucks when it's Christmas time. It's just like jingle all the way. You go to Toys R Us and they got 50 Barbie dream mines, <laughs> but they don't have the Corvette. They don't have the mansion. Just Barbie's dream mine. I love how out of touch I am with like. Where I don't... Ken is only two feet tall, <laughs> grizzled. It's a Tommy. It's not Ken. It's Tommy. Tommy Knocker. Yeah, after, after the success of Barbie and the Rockers, they released Barbie and the Tommy Knockers. I like that. God, I would love that set, Barbie and the Tommy Knockers. I would love Barbie's if they just had mine. dolls of the old grizzled miner. Yeah, <laughs> with Barbie. With bar- Barbie scale. Like It could be like some kind of Barbie uncle she's just <laughs> not like scared of. He comes with a bottle of Barbie moonshine. summer job. Yeah, he comes, he comes with a moonshine, a pickaxe, uh, t- some tasty pasties. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, like a big hat. Like three different overalls. You can mm. undress him, put different flannels on him. Little g- g- plastic nuggets of gold. And then you, yeah. g- you got there. You got the Barbie dream mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but, I mean, kids are so stupid that that could get popular. I, the most, last year's big, I mean, you remember, the, of course, Tickle Me Elmo was like the one. Yeah, I just bought one at a thrift store for a dollar. You did? Well, I do part of my night gigs. I give away like silly prizes, so I bought one to give away as a prize. If you don't, but give now it away, I think it's disgusting. Oh, you want it to be disgusting? I watched a video where someone took this, oh yeah the fur off it. Oh yeah, that's so it's, awful. It's like a like a Terminator skinless laughing 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 monster. Yeah, but anyway, so tickle me. So last year's big thing was a egg that a little bird like hatches out of. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess that is pretty cool. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> fidget spinners. <laughs> you know, fidget so uh, I, I want to give you, dear listener, some background on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, because mm-hmm. uh, growing up in Utah, I f- take for granted we that take it outside for, for granite. they might still be. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Carved out of granite is that temple. Right. We take for granted that... They're still maybe mysterious to people that aren't familiar with them. And, uh, and I'll, I'll add the disclaimer that I'm speaking largely out of ignorance because I am from Utah and have a lot of friends in, involved in it, but I don't really know what I'm talking about. So I just want to give some background on it. But we're, it's osmosis, surrounded by yeah, Mormon os- culture. Yeah, just osmosily. Osmosily know about it. Yeah, is um, basically the Book of Mormon. I mean, you've probably all seen the South Park episode. But yeah. it was uh, Joseph Smith in the 1800s, and it said that there were all these ancient tribes and civilizations in the Americas. Right? Yeah. Isn't that it? Yeah, yeah. The it, Nephites. It's and... basically the Bible part two, right? Right. It's like, oh, by the way, while all that Bible stuff was going on, this was happening in America. And there were battles, and there's swords, and there's guys with sandals mm-hmm. burying the last record of their civilization in the ground. So it's like when there's a big blockbuster movie based like that's real popular, and there's it's it ties itself up, and they're like, well, let's make a sequel because it's so successful. Yeah. So that's kind of how the Book of Mormon is, where it's like, this is also happening. It's a lot like Rogue One. Yeah. Oh, it's exactly like Rogue One. Yeah. Because the main story of Star Wars is the is the Bible. Yeah. Is the Bible of the story, but Rogue One's happening also. 
Wait, when is it happening? Is it before Star Wars? Or is yeah, it's, it's right before Star Wars. It's, it's like right before. Literally right? like five minutes before. Is it, is it really five yeah. minutes before? It ends with the first scene of Star Wars. I thought it ended with, with uh, Darth Vader like coming down a hallway, stabbing everybody. Yeah, and then the guy runs, and he hands the plans to Princess Leia, and then they jump to light speed. And that's really? when the chase that starts Star Wars. Happens. But Leia looked so weird that I just assumed that was an android of Leia. <laughs> it was. It was Tickle Me Leia. <laughs> that was uh, the hottest Halloween gift, or I mean, Halloween gift, Christmas gift that year in, in uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, it was the Tickle Me Leia. Tickle Me Leia. She had to be a celebrity in her own time. She, God, man, like everyone on the planet knew who she was because yeah. she wasn't just the princess of a country. Uh, it was an entire planet. She was a princess of an entire planet. And then after Return of the Jedi, she had to have been the oh, queen yeah. or something oh, or the man. president. Ultimate celebrity right there. So I want to give that background because it's important in the story. Do you know what's this... weird about Star Wars before you continue? <laughs> no, no. Let's get on with this. Like when Obi-Wan Kenobi, when Luke Skywalker like hears that, Shouldn't everybody know who Obi-Wan Kenobi is? It'd be like saying Elvis Presley to, to somebody, right? Right. That's one of the big inconsistencies. Because they seem like, that's a name I haven't heard in over five minutes, is what he should be yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess I, I think the, the thing that the fans have said is that the Emperor destroyed all the records of the Jedi. And everyone's memory. And everyone's memory from yeah. 30 years ago. Because it was only 18 years. Just like none of us can actually remember the early 80s, anything. No one's, I can't, I don't know what Tron is. I don't know what Ghostbusters is. Yeah, when I heard Tom Petty died, I, I thought, who? Tom Petty. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. So, so that background's important. The idea that, that there were civilizations, I, I don't know, like Aztecs or Romans. Right. Usually in paintings, they kind of look like Aztecs yeah. or Mayans or something. Yeah, Mayans. So John Hiram Coyle is a guy born in Spanish Fork, Utah in 1864. Um, it per he knew Brigham Young personally. Brigham Young is the one who brought the Mormons to Utah and settled in the Salt Lake Valley. So and This guy was sort of on the ground floor then. Absolutely on the ground floor until they kicked him off of it. <laughs> Hans, a striking fellow. We'll show the picture of him. He's a real old-timey looking guy, which is fitting because he was old-timey. A lady killer yeah. type of guy, huh? So from what I understand, part of the faith is that you're not, a, you're not supposed to look for signs. You don't do that thing in the movies like, oh, God, give me a sign, and then it starts raining. Like, you're not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. But this guy was way into that. Way into signs. Yeah, so before he decided to be a Mormon, he prayed and said, give me some sort of sign, and then I'll get my testimony for Mormonism. So he had a dream where he saw a lost cow in a field that had an injured horn that was poking its own eye. <laughs> and a voice said to him, if you find your cow tomorrow, if you find this cow at this place tomorrow, you will believe in, in, in that Mormonism wow. is true. That's a very specific sign. Very specific. So he's like, okay. So in the dream, he's saying, sure, if I see this cow tomorrow. Okay. And uh, sure enough, he did. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. That morning, he saw that injured cow, just as the voice told him, right with, where he expected to see it. spike in its own eye. Spike in its own eye. So he, he went on a mission uh, and just became famous for his prophetic dreams. Uh, he did not keep a diary, but according to legend, one of his dreams helped save... Uh, Jay Golden Kimball's life. Jay Golden Kimball was uh, some guy I've heard of. Okay. 
like big shot. Um, so he came back to Utah. He sold butter and cheese to miners. <laughs> what a nightmare world this world was, just like a hundred years ago. Yeah. Imagine just like how weird life is. There's a guy that sells butter and cheese to miners. Yeah. Like that's a job. You know what's interesting is this is where my ancestors. It, it's in this mining district where my ancestors settled. Really? So he may have sold so may butter have sold to, butter to my great grandpa. That's a that's from great. Finland. Nice. Um. So on August 27th, 1894, he has a dream in which the angel Moroni. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen an LDS temple, that's the golden angel on top with the playing, trumpet. Playing the, playing the jazz. So the angel Moroni brought him to a Nephite mine on a nearby mountain. The Nephites being the civilization that, that lived here. Mm-hmm. So the angel's like, hey, guess what? They were right here. Here's a mine. The angel instructed him to reopen this mine and dig new tunnels. According to the God, angel... These are super specific visions. I love it. According to the angel, the mine would provide financial aid during an economic collapse showed him nine caverns full of treasure buried by the Nephites, including um, not just gold and treasure, but a bunch of specific artifacts that are mentioned in the Book of Mormon and even the Old Testament. So there's even like... So this is very, even this Jewish is artifacts very in Indiana there. Jones. Totally Indiana Jones. There's like a Mormon ark in there. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm, I have a question about and this. And this guy's dashing, just like Harrison Ford, you said. He, he's squinty. Eight, eight, 1850s dashing. He's really squinty. He's really got a bitter sort of mouth. He's got a tight, bitter mouth. Like an 1850 dashing guy had both his eyes, both yeah. his ears. Yeah. And, and a and strong a, and, back. And owned a hat. <laughs> yeah. Owned a fine <laughs> hat. <laughs> so I have a question about this. But So the angel told Coyle to open this mine and that the gold would help provide financial relief for the entire church and fund the gathering of Israel in the last days. Okay. Now. Sounds, God, that's great. Is gold what you want during an apocalypse? <laughs> I know. If I have gasoline or guzzoline yeah. and, a, and a bunch of Snickers bars and someone offers me gold, Seems I don't want the gold because it's just a shiny rock. I want the supplies that I need. Yeah, and I'm gonna I mean, s- I guess if I could turn around and give my gold to the next guy and get some... They couldn't know this in 1860, but I, I'm pretty sure the future is Mad Max, almost without a doubt. Out of all the apocalyptic future shows I've seen... Yeah. Mad Max seems like the most accurate one. Oh, absolutely. And that and that is all about gasoline. Yeah. Like there people are killing for gasoline. Gasoline and and water. Like if you had gold, people a guy with a mohawk and a weird little slave naked slave next to him would just chop your head off and, and eat what? you. He'd probably eat you. Yeah. And what would the gold be for? So so the theory is that the entire economy has collapsed and they're the only ones with gold. Well, what are they going to buy? If the economy's collapsed, no one can make anything. And if I made something and someone paid me in gold, what am I going to do with the gold? Well, I mean, money, I guess we all just, money I guess everyone just is, has to agree. Yeah, the, well, that's the whole idea of money. Yeah. If you think about how insane, like, the, if you, it's like a stoner thing, man. Smoke a joint and think about money. Money yeah. literally is something worthless that everyone agrees is worth something. Yeah. But it's worth something because there's a whole economy going on. If, if there's no economy and the world's in flames. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, no one agrees. Now, everyone, all everyone agrees is, like, let's kill anyone we see. Yeah. And take their stuff. Yeah. So, in these end times, I just don't know how the gold is going to help them, who they're, who they're buying stuff from. Well, oh, do you know what? You put it in the bank. Interest. You're getting all that interest. Oh, in, it's all, interest. All that interest. Oh, I didn't think about the interest. You, you know, you, it's like they say, you want to double your money, you fold it over in your pocket, that sort of thing, but with gold. 
like a, a, a Scrooge McDuck money pit situation. Yeah. You're the richest man in Duckburg. You just sit on that gold. You sit on that. Get the interest. Let that interest compound. So he built the mine. It's called the Dream Mine. Uh, 1894, five of his friends started digging. The place he saw in the dream on the mountain. Nice. You can still see the the like mine house there. Okay. Uh, it's in a place called Salem, Utah. Uh, he sold 42,000 shares at a dollar apiece. Wow. Oh, no. They had a value of a dollar. He sold them for a dollar fifty each. He sold 42,000 shares for a dollar. He, yeah. ri- he was the richest man in yeah. Duckburg. And this is in 1909. So this took him 15 years to get this going and sell the shares. Um, I thought he said it was 1850 or eighteen. That's when he was born. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So, uh, and then luckily he was visited by two of the three Nephites, and they told him that the dream mine, the same thing, just reaffirming that it's going to be a relief mine during the second coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a city of refuge. Um, the church is not into this. Really? Yeah, because first of all, you don't just go around having prophetic dreams unless you're the prophet okay. of the church. You don't just be a guy Makes and then sense. start selling shares. So here is the official statement. So like, like I per- can't be canonized personally, even if I have seen two miracles. Right. Okay. So or, I mean, I mean, perform two miracles. So the, the LDS Church issues a statement called "A Warning Voice." The first presidency <laughs> warns the saints against investing in worthless stock, <laughs> even if promoters allege that they are guided by dreams and revelations. <laughs> Almost everyone has heard stories of how such and such has found a rich mine by following directions given in a dream, and many fondly hope for <laughs> similar luck, but in most instances, it will be found on investigation that such stories have little or no foundation in fact. Are you re- actually reading it? That's verbatim. That's from what the it statement. says? Yeah. <laughs> so there's no doubt who this was directed towards. Right. They're <laughs> like, this guy is a con artist. Stop giving him money for his bullshit mine. And this is like a spiritual cease and desist. So it closed in 1914, reopened in 1920, and they started digging again. Was there anything in there? Did they find anything? <laughs> they dug a shaft um, that descended 2,200 feet. <laughs> What's this? It's legit mine. 2,200? Yeah, Coyle continued to earn a reputation as a prophetic dreamer, allegedly predicting the times, the times of the start of World War I and like, the Wall Street crash of 1929. Oh, wow. And it, for him to call it World War I also... Prophetic. Yeah. Uh, in 1932, they built an ore mill outside the Dream Mine. They called it the White <laughs> Sentinel. You can, that's the thing you can see. So, uh, But there's nothing in there. It they took were... them four years to build this ore mill. Or mill okay. This ore mill. It processed one load of ore <laughs> worth $103.03 before being shut down. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was right about being rich. That part of the prophecy came true. Yeah. In 1933, geologist Frederick J. Pack published a review of mineral samples, declared them worthless. Wow. State prosecutors investigated as fraud, but found no evidence because... Was he alive in thirty? The stockholders were satisfied. He lived a long time. Uh, so in 1947, he's brought before <laughs> Mormon court, and he's excommunicated. Okay. I'm just kicked out. Gone. He signed a notarized statement repudiating his own revelations, which was then published in the Deseret News. Uh, he claimed that he had been forced to sign it, and he died about two years later. As of 2010, there are still 706 shareholders in this mine. 
You can still buy stock in this mine, and people are doing it. But is it, are you buying stock in an abandoned mine? Are there is someone digging in it? Are there Tommyknockers in there? I don't know. the The shares are worth ten dollars, though most investors purchase them for thirty to thirty five dollars. There is an online community, an email group. Do you know they're what? called Dream Miners. It's I, this it's this group of survivalists now. I think we need to do a World Champion podcast. Go fund me. About and buy a share. Buy in, some shares in, in this mine. Yeah. I think we should. Well, he had a dream that he saw an elephant trip over and die, <laughs> which these dream miners are interpreting as the death of the Republican Party. Oh, and so they're saying this is like now's now. the like time. Now is the time to buy this stock. How much did you say it was? Well, it, it's worth ten dollars, but cost thirty-five. Thirty-five. All right. I I think I might. Do a GoFundMe page. Yeah. We're gonna get to get thirty dollars. We're gonna get thirty-five dollars together. Well, I mean, it's not gonna be my share to the Dream Mine. It's gonna be everyone that listens to the podcast share. Whoa. So, so yeah. We'll have to. We'll probably have to get an attorney to look over. Oh no, there's probably a website where we can do that. Legalhelp.com. Yeah. LegalZoom. Yeah, LegalZoom. They sponsor podcasts. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll be legally ours, but on behalf of everyone. Yeah. We're only gonna lose money. It's not like we're we're gonna be. I guess that's glass half empty thinking. <laughs> God, well, Mine be, half empty. How, how great would it be if the Republican Party did collapse and all the, and then we, it was worth billions? <laughs> and then we can't spend it anywhere because all the good stores are closed. Well, we just sit on it. Yeah. Oh, let, interest. Let, let that interest. Interest. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the most famous mine mystery of all, the Lost Dutchman's Gold Mine, east of Phoenix in the Superstition Mountains near Apache Junction. Superstition Mountains? This sounds like never-ending story geography. Do you know much about this? Uh-uh. I feel like in the 80s when I was a kid, it was huge. There was, like, TV specials about it, Unsolved Mysteries. Maybe it'll come back to me when you start yeah. telling me about it. So it's the Lost Dutchman's Gold Mine. It's named after a German because people would hear Deutsch and thought it meant Dutch. Oh, so okay. the Lost Dutchman is actually a German named Jacob Waltz, purportedly discovered it in the 1800s and kept its location secret. The, he claimed it was the richest gold mine the world had ever seen. Okay. The Superstition Mountains are in the middle of the desert. They're rugged as hell. They're jagged and maze-like. They're, these aren't like the mountains Man, just the name, that we see outside of the gondola. Just the name I'm already picturing, like a place in Mordor or something. That's, that's what they look like. like really? Mordor was a desert mm-hmm. and with blue skies. Like These mountains are, are just looking at them inspires fear. Wow. So there's a bunch of legends about this guy that kind of merged into one. Well, a bunch of a bunch of unrelated stories that people have since sort of connected and assumed they're all about the same place, this Lost Dutchman's Mine. So there, there's a theory that it's Apache gold, Kay. that it was a mine run by Apaches. They called it the Thunder God's Mountain and that it was protected by their Thunder God. God, that sounds cool, too. Yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah, they've got uh, Geronimo is, is maybe involved in this. And uh, the family of a man called Miguel Peralta discovered the mine, mined for gold there, only to be attacked by the Apaches in 1850 in the Peralta Massacre. Wow. Um, then years later, a man is there calling a movie himself... about this? I don't know. There's... There must be, but none come like to there mind. Should be. I mean, the in popular culture section of Wikipedia has a lot listed on it. Okay. Definitely unsolved mysteries and some TV special I saw as a kid. <laughs> unsolved mysteries. Yeah, and in fact, I recently. Well, I'll get to them. I recently watched a uh, a show called Disappeared. I think. Uh huh. 
Anyway. Okay. So this guy who calls himself Dr. Thorne claims to have treated a wounded Apache chieftain. And they rewarded him by blindfolding him and spinning him around in circles and taking him to this gold mine and saying, like, all right, as, as much as you can carry, go for it. And then they blindfolded him again and, and took him out, and so he was never able to find it again. Wow. That seems like it would be easy to, to prove that by saying, check out all this gold yeah. I've got. That seems like, like some pretty good proof. Yeah. But, but no one ever asked to see the gold? <laughs> yeah. I guess so, it was like a time of honor. Every man, how dare you say anything about my honor? You know, like people would get in pistol duels because of honor. So, yeah. So I guess you wouldn't just be like call bullshit on people. Yeah, that's true. You can't just call someone a bullshit artist, or they're gonna pull a gun on you. Yeah, there's probably like books. People probably study in school that it's rude to mm-hmm. call bullshit on people. Yeah. Like one mustn't question thy neighbor's mm-hmm. veracity, sir. Right. So, I mean, you can't just say, show me the gold. I want the gold. Because it's, it's like you're liable to be out, out at high noon pulling guns on each other. So no one can verify that any of these people existed. Dr. Thorne and Peralta. Um, they do. This does sound very much like a, a, a fictitious story. Yeah. In the Thunder, Thunder God Mountains next to the Superstition Mountains. So uh, I guess that's the same thing. There, there was a a mine called the Peralta Mine uh, in Valencia, California. The, uh, that's still standing there. The Peralta Mine eventually became unprofitable, and after the money was gone, Miguel Peralta turned to fraud. Dr. <laughs> George M. Willing Jr. paid Peralta $20,000 for the mining rights for an enormous swath of land. About so far. Three million acres. Turning to fraud as a mine owner, it's t- so far it sounds like m- the mining business is fraud. Yeah. So this isn't much of a stretch to become to just go full on fraud. Yeah. I mean that's in Deadwood selling the mines mm-hmm. that are worthless. Right. So this guy bought three million acres of mining rights in Arizona, New Mexico, based on a deed originally granted by the Spanish Empire. Trouble came after he learned that the deed was entirely bogus. Despite his efforts, he was never able to recover any of the money. So he just bought it from some guy? No, this land grant was the basis of the James Rivas Arizona land swindle. Oh, that's got a name. James Rivas, man. This guy's sideburns off the hook. Okay, we're going to post, we're gonna have to post some dashing available men from the 1800s, right? Yeah, he was the Baron of Arizona, he called himself. According to Wikipedia, he was an American forger and fraudster. <laughs> And he's got he's got those sideburns that are like cartoonish right. that like go way out like the Lorax or something like some of our early presidents yeah <laughs> or some wild looking dudes yeah um, so that's a whole thing so this this idea that Miguel Peralta found the mine and then Doctor Thorne found it later and Peralta was slaughtered by Indians there's a whole mess of forgeries and fraudulent deeds so it's it's really kind of lost and no one really knows like what the truth is there um, Thorne. There, there was a story that Dr. Thorne was an army doctor, but there's no records of him. But now there, there is a doctor named Thorne in there in that time who also made claims of a rich gold vein. And then there's, there's another story about... Well, I mean, I mean back then, it's like we, in the Devil in the White City. Yeah. You, he had like 10 aliases. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? No, to change your name, you just start. You just change your name. You literally just tell, like, sh- get a weird piece of paper, sign yeah. on it, buy a stamp of yeah. some kind. There's no ID. Yeah, there's. You nothing. don't even need a piece of paper. You just say, "Hi, I'm 
I'm Johnny Jones. Right. So I mean, it, you know, easy it is to, <laughs> to be uh, and to, to be to take someone's identity. You think identity theft is is bad now? Yeah. Like identity theft now means like buying stuff with someone else's credit card. Back yeah. then, you literally could just buy a top hat and say <laughs> you're a doctor. You yeah. know, it's. I'm like, the mayor. Yeah. Well, this guy said he was the Baron of Arizona. Yeah, exactly. I'm the Baron of Arizona, and I have contacts with the Spanish Empire. Right, and the, in the U.S., we're, we're against royalty. They don't, we don't have royalty <laughs> we have here. Nobility, we have barons. Yeah. So, so there's another story about three soldiers that also found a rich vein of gold. So the, the common thread is there's a lot of stories around the same time mm-hmm. about these unrelated people finding a rich thread of gold. Well, it's just the, it's in the public's imagination. So it, it could be that. It could be that they all found the same wonderful mine. Mm-hmm. So the, the Lotch Dutchman story, it's two German men, uh, Jacob. <laughs> okay, I'm reading from Wikipedia again. <laughs> two German men, Jacob Waltz, or Weitz, Weitzer, Walls, Wells, Walls, etc. And possibly a second man named Jacob Weiser, but some people argue there was no Jacob Weiser, and people just got Waltz's name wrong. <laughs> so it's either two guys or one guy with this different names. God, back then everything was just rumors. You couldn't verify anything, yeah. even if people existed, would be hard to figure out. So That's great. So Waltz located a rich mine of gold in the Superstition Mountains. Uh, perhaps with a member of the Peralta family from earlier who was supposedly massacred by Apaches and maybe didn't exist in. Uh, Waltz, if there are two guys, one of them is killed. <laughs> Waltz well, survives. Regardless. Waltz survives long enough to tell a man called Dr. Walker about the mine and made a deathbed confession to Julia Thomas where he drew and described a crude map to the gold mine. I would love if this was a con, a deathbed, your final joke. Oh, well, you're, can you imagine you're about to die, and you're like, well, I'm just going to mess with this, this lady one yeah. more time. Pencil! Get to me, pencil! And then you just draw, you're just making shit up. You're like, yeah. you're like well, that's the ocean where you're drawing right now. Well, there's an isla- chain of islands. There's off a chain the- of islands and a golden <laughs> boat. I sailed there in a golden boat and found piles of rubies. I know. The people there were nine feet tall. And saying the most beautiful songs. I know that's the funny thing about all, all these visions is is like God or the supernatural or whoever is helping them also is really into money. Yeah. Like your magic or maybe uh, omniscient and omnipresent, like God and all powerful, and you need and you still love money. Yeah. Like God has one of those baseball caps that has a giant dollar sign on it. You the know, bedazzled dollar sign. Bedazzled dollar sign. So the and not all, one of those all-over print shirts with $100 bills all over it. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, like silky spandexy like, ones. He's like, I'm going down to earth. I like this guy. Yeah. I'm going to tell him where the money's at. <laughs> I'm going to make it rain, literally, and then I'm going to make it rain. And then let's watch Entourage. <laughs> yeah, God's in like Entourage. Yeah. I love it. So this uh, Lost Mind stories are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. They're not worth the paper they're printed on. Just so like this, a mind deed. Exactly. Or stock. Or stock in any mine. So this story is g- goes away. It's just another lost bunch of lost mine stories that all kind of point to the same place. But in 1931, Adolf Ruth, a treasure hunter, and back then I guess that could be your job. Right. Just like selling yeah. cheese and butter to miners, you could be a treasure hunter, and people yeah. don't laugh. So this is about 80 years after these original stories are mm-hmm. alleged to have happened. 
But he's a treasure hunter. He hears the story and decides he's going to go find it. Disappears in the summer of 1931. Six months later, his skull is found with two bullet holes in it. Wow. Which was a common way to die, I'm sure, in the, at the time. Yeah. Like, that's not even worth an investigation. Now, it says that the story made national news quite literally because it was a slow news day. Oh, okay. And uh, it said the National Wire Services picked up the story and ran it for more than it was worth, uh, possibly seeing the mysterious story as a welcome reprieve from the bleak news of the Great Depression. That was a, that was a, a welcome story, huh? That, that's what cheered everyone <laughs> Skull up? Skull found with two bullet holes. A cheered murder. everybody up. Yeah, just like, oh, let's get our mind off the bad news. Here's some good news. A man was murdered. So, uh, yeah, so basically what happens is he's going out to find this mine. Um, he, he may have, he basically con- was in contact with the guy who told the story about a guy he knew, about a guy he knew, about this Peralta mine in the Superstition Mountains, gave him some old maps, <laughs> and, uh, and then eventually so this just got around. Yeah, like, here's some maps. People are so bored, they just believed everything. Yeah. And like, he's oh. like, I don't have a Jeep. You, you can go look for it if you want. Find it, holler. Um, now, Adolf is 66 years old. And walks with a cane because his leg had previously been shattered and was being held together with metal pins. Yeah. So he decides in the middle of summer to go to the hottest place in the country to look for gold. <laughs> uh, so, On the hottest day of the year. Yeah, so he assumed that he just died of heat and thirst, uh, you know, against everyone's advice. But so then they found the skull, and then a few months after that, they found uh, the rest of his remains, identified by the pins in his leg. Uh, the medical examiner... Well, was his body not by his head? No, his body, his bones have been taken away by coyotes. Oh, okay. so they were found kind of far away with the rest of his stuff. Okay, actually, I guess his his bones and his stuff were together, but the skull was far away. Maybe the coyotes took the head. They might have taken the head, or maybe the Apaches cut it off. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Herdelka positively identified the skull as that of Adolf Ruth. After examining the two holes, it appeared to be a shotgun or high-powered rifle that had been fired through the head at point-blank range. Wow. So he definitely didn't die of dehydration. He definitely didn't die of dehydration. Except dehydration of the blood to his brain. So when they found his remains, they found all of his personal effects, including a pistol not missing any of the shells. Was was the bullet holes on the front of the skull or the back? I don't know. It doesn't say? Yeah. His checkbook was also recovered containing a note written by Ruth wherein he claimed to have discovered the mine and gave detailed directions, ending the note with the phrase, Veni, Vidi, Vici. I came, I saw, I conquered. Right? Or is that seize the day? Yeah. I came, I saw, I conquered. Um, Authorities in Arizona did not convene a criminal request and said that he probably succumbed to thirst or heart disease. Interesting. One guy did say, well, maybe he committed suicide, uh, but that failed to explain how he managed to remove and bury the empty shell and then reload his gun. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was just a really well-planned suicide, man. Yeah. Where he just shot and then he was like, in his, he's like, okay, I maybe got 10 seconds to live. I got to do this in this order quick. Yeah. It's like when you watch in the military where you can, you got to put your gun together blindfolded. Oh yeah. You've got to bury the shell and reload the gun while you're, you after you've shot yourself in the head. So that takes, like, a lot of practice. It's commendable, admirable. His, his uh, what's the word? His, uh, his discipline. His, his discipline. His discipline. Exactly. He was, after all, walking through the desert on the hottest day of the year in the hottest place in North America. Yeah. That take right there. 
Don't they give awards for people running? Isn't there some kind of race where you have to run through the desert or something? I don't know. Probably. I don't know. The Amazing more. Race. Right. <laughs> so that's where the legend grew. So because of that, it became a big part of the American conscious of pop culture. So there's a whole group of hobbyists that have researched this, and they go try to find it. And what happens to them? They die also. They die also. <laughs> no one even knows if this mine exists. I have no idea what happened to this note with the map, supposedly. It doesn't even say. I'm guessing it just disappeared. Everything disappeared. Yeah, someone just pocketed it and then forgot about it and threw it away. Well, they didn't have computers to keep track of where everything was. They didn't have those devil boxes. Yeah. Because you think, like, anytime you watch, like, a cold case kind of uh, murder mystery show, even even evidence from, like, 25 years ago, they'll go and look for the box, and the whole box will be gone. Yeah. There'll be the cardboard, like, some janitor threw it out. Or they accidentally taped over the security footage. Right, that type of stuff. Yeah. So you think about a time where they didn't even keep track of anything. Yeah. Like, it's a miracle even these rumors lived on. <laughs> yeah. You know? So in the mid-40s, a, another treasure hunter went out there, and his headless remains were later found. Really? So a lot of guys are losing their heads over this. And the original story was that the Apaches would cut off your heads. Now, if the Apache had this gold mine again, what are they doing with that gold? What year are we up to now? Now we're in the mid-40s. 1940s? Yeah. Well, even by then, there wasn't still wild Indians cutting heads off. If they were protecting their ancient sacred mine. But if they did have this gold mine... Why weren't they rich? They were saving it. Interest. Interest. Shit. They're smart. They're not, they're not suckers. So in a 1945 book, a treasure hunter named Barry Storm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love these names. Dr. Uh, Thorne, Barry. This is like Stan Lee came up with, <laughs> yeah, with this is. story. Yeah. In Superstition Mountain. Yeah, Superstition Mountain sounds phony. Yeah, and so with Dr. Thorne and what's, what's yeah. this guy's name? This and is Barry Storm. He wrote a book called Thunder God's Gold where he said he was looking for it and narrowly escaped a mysterious sniper he dubbed Mr. X. Oh, this is the coolest movie never made. He speculated that Adolf Ruth might have also been a victim of the same sniper. Maybe he's a superstitious like ghost sniper. Maybe it's the Pope protecting yeah. God's land. And it could be Nephite gold. It could be it that c- the Dream Mind guy had the wrong location. Yeah, maybe it's that all is all connected. Maybe that's where all the divine gold is, and they got to get like some kind of pope sniper out there <laughs> taking out anyone getting too close to God's yeah. gold. Oh man, I hope Dan Brown doesn't hear this. I know. Right? This, this is this is, this is the book next, right there. Yeah, the next Da Vinci. Code. We all know how important money is <laughs> to higher powers. <laughs> yeah, and in uh, collapsed economies, collapsed economies. Go, the one, number one thing you want during a crisis is gold. So tons of people have looking. There's guys that devote their whole lives to trying to find this. Um, this guy, this bellhop from Denver, I watched a show called Disappeared about him called The Dutchman's Curse. He was obsessed with the mine and went out there and checked into a hotel and bought some camping gear. And a few days later, they found his car in his camp and no sign of him. They found his body three years later. His family like didn't even know that he was into this thing. That's and he was not an experienced outdoorsman. I was going to say, if anybody could find a gold mine in the middle of nowhere, it's a bellhop. Yeah, it's a guy who <laughs> has never been camping before. If there's anyone that can survive in the wilderness, it's, yeah. it's I would think, a bellhop. Yeah. Uh, and then just uh, 2010, three guys from Utah went missing. 2010? Yeah. Don't they have, like, satellites by now that have mapped these places? Yeah, and, and, and geologist has said that uh, there's not gold there. 
Right. Because of the kind of rock sediment or something. But I don't that's know how exactly they that what someone who wanted to keep all the gold would say. Exactly. I'm not that dumb. Yeah, the geologist was wearing quite a fine <laughs> top hat. <laughs> and a monocle. His spats were impeccable. Right. So, yeah, these three Utah guys. Now, one of them, uh, Curtis Murworth. And again, July. They're doing this in July. The hottest time in the desert. This is 2010. In 2009, Murworth got lost in the same area and required rescue. Well, he's no bellhop. In 2010, they vanished, presumably dead in the summer heat. They found remains a couple years later. It seems like such a stupid way to die. Finding the lost mine of gold. Yeah. It's such a ridiculous, like, cartoonish way to die. But this is reality. There's someone's life who ended this way. Yeah, and and people devote their whole lives, even if they don't die in the desert, they've spent all their time poring over maps and yeah. geological surveys and like. So they've lost like their life the, anyway. Right, like that's what the bellhop did. They, they just, just didn't had realize it. Pages and pages of information and clues and phony diaries and and fake deeds. Is the motivation greed? Is it like to get rich? I or think, is it to find no, I think a mystical place? Yeah, I think they're probably, like, crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've talked about a single person tonight besides Tom Petty that's not a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> I think all, and the Pope. I'm not going to uh, offend the Catholics out there. Yeah, like, it, it's it's greed to a certain degree, but I think it's more just this obsess- yeah, obsession Yeah, obsessed thing. about a mystery. Um, to the point that they would do a podcast about mysteries. That's sick. That's to sick in the head. <laughs> sick in the head. It's demented. So there's there's all our mind mysteries. Now I left out the Oak Island mystery. I think everyone knows about that. There's a whole freaking show about it on one of those channels. Is there? Oak Island is this island in Canada, and some guy thinks there's gold there. Right. Uh, it's the Templars' gold specifically. Oh, nice. So for a hundred years, he's been digging a big hole. Hasn't found any <laughs> Templar gold. <laughs> like vi- like Templars in like the Middle Ages came over to bury their gold in Canada. Yeah, I think it's Canada. Maybe it's Illinois. I don't know. Uh, far from the Templars' headquarters. Yeah, and they had to go a long way to bury that gold and not tell anyone where it was. Mm-hmm. Which you think they would, they would leave a record. Well, they're working on the interest. They seemed organized. Oh, they're smart. That's what's going to happen is some Templar is going to come out and say, I check out this receipt. Yep. For, you know, safety. 1296, we deposited this gold in a hole. Yep. And there's going to be a safety deposit box. It's going to be It's going to be sweet. So there you go. We, the, right. the Lost Dutchmans, there's so much more stuff out there, but you just oh, figured that what out. What a ride, man. Yeah. Tonight's been c- quite a ride. I guess, did we solve any of these? Uh, part of our gimmick is that we like to solve these mysteries, and I think we have in that they're all connected. And they're all true. They're all true. They're all connected, and there's a sniper keeping yeah. this Apache gold safe. No, uh, we did solve it. There's, yeah. it's, it's divine gold. Yeah. And you can't get to it because you're going to be killed by a, a ghost sniper. <laughs> named Mr. X. Yeah, named Mr. X. What a perfect name for a, a ghost sniper. Yeah. So the moral is, d- find your own mine. Don't go off looking for someone else's mine. Yeah, just and sleep tight. Just just to drink a little bit of NyQuil and have a dream. you got to g- work on your vision. Of, the, of where your mind is. Yeah. Work on your dream mind. This is like the secret. You've got to get a dream board. You've got to literally dream and work on your dream mind. You need one of those uh, headset microphones and mm-hmm. a stage to pace around on. Yeah, just go out to go buy yourself a, a pickaxe. That's the first step. Yeah, yeah. Buy it first thing. Go, go, go to the devil's engine and look yep. up how to camp. Right. Desert camping. Yeah, do take some FAQ. of those, those survivalist bell, bellhop training courses. And you're ready. So, 
Stephen King month. Yes, this month, Stephen King month, the whole month. And what do we what do we got planned for next week? Next week we will be discussing the movie It. Everybody loves it, so we're not going to talk about that one. We're going to talk about the made-for-TV 1994-hour Tim Curry, yes, Harry Anderson, Jack Tripper, far superior. It with the ponytail and the round glasses. Yes, so that's that's next week. Uh, after that, Maximum Overdrive, where the Green Goblin is a truck, yep, and an ATM calls Stephen King an asshole. I'm so pumped. I'm like, and then and then finally, Creep Show, Creep the anthology. Show. Ted Danson's in that. Yep. Some other people, maybe. Stephen King himself. I'm so pumped for this month. I've been on a Stephen King kick, but, I mean, it's Halloween. It's going to be a lot of fun. These are all fantastic movies. I've seen them all. Yeah, so it's going to be great. So look forward to that. If you can get your hands on them, watch them. So when you listen to us, we sound funnier. Right. Or, or you can. it'll make more sense. Yeah. Or maybe you want to stay in the dark. Maybe our storytelling is better than any VHS tape. That's true. Yeah. So we'll be back for that. Keep your jeans on tight when you're climbing in those mines. Mm-hmm.